0: you are now tuned into Civil War Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, here to guide you through the fields and towns of mid-19th century America as we delve into the epic conflict that shaped the very soul of this great nation, the Civil War. Together, we'll explore riveting stories from an era of transformation and sacrifice, hearing tales of valiant charges, whispered plots, and the profound human experiences behind the blue and the gray. And if your historical appetite is still hungry for more tales of valor and conflict, be sure to check out our companion podcast, World War II Stories, where we unravel the global conflict that raged nearly a century later. You can find the link in the description or make your way to podhour.com WW2. So, ready your ears and steady your hearts as we traverse through the pages of time, Delving into a chapter of history where a nation fought for its very identity, the American Civil War a monumental clash of ideologies and regional identities that shook the very foundation of a young nation. Within this epic struggle of brother against brother, the Battle of Gaines Mill holds a distinctive place. A brutal, unforgiving, and decisive confrontation, it was a battle that changed the course of the war and played a significant role in molding the legends of several of the war's most revered figures. Our tale begins in the humid summer of 1862, as Union General George B. McClellan's ambitious Peninsula Campaign advances towards Richmond, the Confederate capital. With the strategy centered on utilizing the Union's superior naval power to bypass formidable Confederate fortifications. McClellan aims to bring a swift end to the conflict. However, standing in his way is the newly appointed commander of the Confederate forces, General Robert E. Lee, a man of tactical brilliance and fierce determination. The stage is set for an epic showdown at Gaines Mill, located near the Chickahominy River. As we dive into the heart of this historic event, we will explore the strategies and stakes of both sides, the grit and valor of the soldiers, and the impact and legacy of the battle. From the careful plotting in the war rooms to the bloody chaos on the battlefield, we will walk the lines where men stood and fell, where the tide of war swelled and retreated, and where the echoes of history still resonate today. Join us as we journey back to that fateful day when the woods around Gaines Mill rumbled with the sounds of cannons, the air filled with the acrid scent of gunpowder, and the destiny of a nation hung in the balance. Chapter 1. Prelude to Conflict Richmond, Virginia, was more than just a city in the Confederacy during the American Civil War. It was a symbol of the Southern Rebellion, the capital of the Confederacy, and a strategic stronghold. With its iron foundries, flour mills, and railroads, it was a vital hub for the South. And for the Union, Richmond was the coveted prize, a strategic key to ending the war. Union General George B. McClellan was the man tasked with capturing this prize. Known for his meticulous planning and extreme caution, McClellan stood in sharp contrast to the impulsive and headstrong generals often seen in the war. His elaborate plan, dubbed the Peninsula Campaign, was as ambitious as it was bold. It called for a large scale amphibious landing on the Virginia Peninsula, followed by a march up the peninsula to capture Richmond this would avoid the heavily fortified overland routes and take advantage of the Union's superior naval power. McClellan, however, was not the only piece on this chessboard. Opposing him was the recently appointed Confederate General Robert E. Lee, a man whose calm demeanor hid a strategic mind of remarkable depth. Lee had taken command of the Confederate forces after the Battle of Seven Pines, where the previous commander, Joseph E. Johnston, was wounded. The stakes were high for him, his objective was to defend Richmond at all costs. Lee knew that losing Richmond could mean losing the war. As McClellan's Grand Army landed on the peninsula and began its march towards Richmond, tensions rose. The roads to Richmond, lined with farms and forests, suddenly transformed into arteries of war, pulsating with soldiers, horses, and artillery the fate of the city and, indeed, the nation, now rested in the hands of these two generals, who were about to be tested in the cauldron of battle. The road to Richmond was open, but it was fraught with danger, and standing at its end was a formidable adversary. It was in this crucible of war that the stage was set for the Battle of Gaines Mill, a confrontation that would forever be etched in the annals of Civil War history. A sense of purpose and sharp determination filled the Union camp as General McClellan outlined his ambitious plans for the Peninsula Campaign. The objective was clear Richmond. As the Confederacy's capital, and in its industrial heart, the city was of immense strategic value. Yet, it was far more than that. It was a symbol of the Confederate resistance, and its capture would strike a blow at the very soul of the Confederacy. McClellan, a meticulous planner and a careful strategist, did not believe in rushing headlong into battle. He was a firm believer in extensive preparations and well-laid plans, which is exactly what the Peninsula Campaign was. Known for his engineering background and organizational prowess, McClellan leveraged these skills to come up with a plan that would use the Union's strengths to its advantage. The plan was as bold as it was elaborate. It involved the Union Army sailing down the Potomac River, then moving up the Virginia Peninsula towards Richmond. This amphibious operation would bypass the formidable Confederate defenses that lined the traditional overland routes to Richmond. At the same time, it would utilize the Union's naval superiority, enabling McClellan to transport his army quickly and directly to the doorstep of Richmond. Every part of the plan was crafted with precision. Soldiers would march in coordinated columns, artillery would be strategically placed, and supply lines would be well protected. The whole operation seemed more like a well oiled machine than a marching army, a testament to McClellan's attention to detail. Yet, for all its promise, McClellan's grand strategy was not without risks. The Virginia Peninsula was a foreign land, with unpredictable terrain and weather, not to mention a hostile population. Additionally, McClellan would need to maintain a rapid pace to avoid being bogged down by Confederate counterattacks. As the Union soldiers prepared to embark on this grand expedition, the air was thick with anticipation. Would McClellan's grand strategy bring the quick victory the Union sought, or would it end in a quagmire of unforeseen complications? Only time would tell. The stage was set, and the road to Richmond beckoned. The gears of McClellan's grand strategy were now in motion, inexorably leading towards the bloody showdown at Gaines Mill. In the south, change was in the air. The wound from the Battle of Seven Pines was still fresh, and the Confederate forces found themselves without a commander as Joseph E. Johnston recuperated from his injuries. As the Union's march toward Richmond became a palpable threat the Confederacy turned to a Virginia-born veteran with an impeccable military pedigree General Robert E. Lee. With his calm demeanor and dignified presence, Lee was a figure who commanded respect. Yet beneath this calm exterior lay a man of deep complexity and profound resolve. Lee was aware of the odds stacked against the Confederacy, but he saw in this adversity the opportunity to protect his homeland and the Southern way of life. He believed in the cause, and this belief translated into a determination that would shape the course of the Civil War. Taking command, Lee found himself in a precarious situation. McClellan's forces were inching closer to Richmond, and the Confederates, though formidable, were outnumbered. But Lee was not a man to be daunted by numbers or odds. He knew the Confederates had strengths the Union lacked, knowledge of the terrain, the support of the local population. And a spirit born of defending one's homeland. Lee's leadership style was starkly different from McClellan's. While McClellan was methodical and cautious, Lee was audacious and opportunistic, willing to take risks if it meant a chance of victory. He believed in the power of offensive action, intending to keep the Union forces on their toes, disrupting their plans and giving them no respite. As he scrutinized the maps, studying the geography of the Virginia Peninsula and the position of the Union forces, Lee's plan began to take shape. His intent was to engage the Union forces before they could reach Richmond, to divide and isolate them, and to hit them with all the might of the Confederate forces. Gaines Mill was the chosen spot, a battleground where you would meet the Union's might head-on. Across the Confederacy, From the sun-baked plantations to the cobblestone streets of Richmond, people waited with bated breath. Their hopes and fears rested on Lee's shoulders as he took command, tasked with the Herculean job of safeguarding Richmond. The echoes of boots marching and drums beating filled the air as the Confederate army readied itself for the imminent clash at Gaines Mill. As Lee rode along the ranks of his soldiers, they found in his quiet resolve a symbol of their own determination. A new chapter in the war was about to begin. Chapter Two, The Stage is Set Nestled in the heart of Virginia, the area between Bosuns Swamp and the Chickahominy River was not a place of notable significance. Yet, in the summer of 1862, this relatively unassuming landscape was about to become the backdrop for one of the most critical battles of the American Civil War. The area was a vast, sprawling wilderness. With thick groves of oak and hickory interspersed with marshy swamplands. The Chickahominy River, named after the indigenous tribes that once inhabited its banks, meandered through this rugged terrain, its steady flow disguising the treacherous undercurrents beneath. The swampy ground near its banks made for difficult travel, and the heavily wooded areas provided ample cover, turning this seemingly benign landscape into a natural fortress. On the other hand, Bosun's swamp was as tricky as it was vast. The swamp was a tangled maze of vines and trees, a sludgy, marshy expanse that swallowed sound and made progress slow and painstaking. An unwary traveler could easily lose their way in this labyrinthine wilderness. This was the terrain that the Union army had decided to make their stand. Their position was at a place called Gaines Mill, near the swamp, and flanked by the river. It was a clever choice. The marshy ground would slow any incoming Confederate forces, while the dense woods would provide cover from artillery and musket fire. Yet, this terrain was also home turf for the Confederate soldiers. They knew the hidden paths through the swamps, the safe crossings over the river, the way the fog would roll in on an early summer morning, and the sounds that the local wildlife made. This was their land, and they were ready to defend it. As the Union soldiers fortified their positions, and the Confederates planned their approach, an eerie calm settled over the landscape. The call of a distant bird, the rustle of leaves in the breeze, the slow burble of the river—it was a surreal serenity, punctuated by the underlying tension of the impending clash. The stage was set, and nature seemed to hold its breath, waiting for the storm of battle to break upon Gaines Mill. The Union army had set up its position near Gaines Mill, the structure itself a stately, imposing edifice that stood in stark contrast to the wild beauty of its surroundings. General McClellan, the architect of the Union's strategy, chose this spot with care. He had split his forces, leaving a portion to guard the supply base at White House Landing while the bulk of his army was positioned near the mill, utilizing the natural defense provided by the Chickahominy River and Boson Swamp. Union forces were impressive in their strength and scale. Around 34,000 men stood ready, a sea of blue uniforms that spread across the landscape, their muskets glinting in the sunlight. These were disciplined, trained soldiers, a testament to McClellan's emphasis on preparation and organization. They were well supplied, their weapons modern and effective, their artillery pieces numbering close to 70. Among the key figures in the Union camp was Brigadier General Fitz John Porter, an experienced officer and a close advisor to McClellan. He led the Union 5 Corps, holding the critical position on the Union right flank. Porter was known for his tactical acumen and ability to keep his cool under pressure, traits that would be tested in the intense conflict to come. The Union soldiers worked tirelessly to strengthen their position. They dug trenches, erected barricades, and positioned their artillery on elevated grounds to overlook potential attack routes. The air buzzed with the sound of hammers, the scraping of shovels, and the occasional barked order. Despite the grueling work, there was a sense of camaraderie and shared purpose among the men. They were here not just as soldiers, but as defenders of a cause they believed in the preservation of the Union. Yet, for all their numbers and strength, a shadow of uncertainty lingered in the Union camp. The Confederates were on home turf and had the advantage of local knowledge. Additionally, McClellan's cautious nature meant that he was wary of potential Confederate reinforcements, causing him to overestimate the enemy's strength and play a more defensive strategy. As the Union forces braced for the coming conflict, the tranquility of the Virginia landscape seemed like a distant memory. The air was now thick with tension and anticipation, the ground rumbling with the steady beat of a thousand hearts readying for battle. The stage was set at Gaines Mill and the Union army, in its striking might and determination, stood ready to face whatever the Confederates might throw at them. While the Union soldiers busied themselves fortifying their position at Gaines Mill, a different scene was unfolding in the Confederate camp. General Lee, newly in command of the Confederate forces, had plans of his own. He knew the Union forces were formidable, their numbers great, but he had faith in the tenacity and skill of his own men. After all, they were not just fighting for a strategic advantage, but for their homes, their families, and their way of life. Lee's forces numbered roughly 57,000 soldiers. These were men accustomed to the hardships of life in the South. They were not as well equipped as their Union counterparts, with a mix of weapons ranging from modern rifles to older smoothbore muskets. Yet, what they lacked in material resources, they made up for indetermination and an intimate knowledge of the land they were defending. Among the leaders at Lee's side was General Stonewall Jackson, a man whose military prowess was matched only by the air of mystery that surrounded him. A brilliant tactician with a penchant for unpredictability, Jackson was Lee's right-hand man. His forces would play a key role in the battle to come. Lee's plan was audacious. He intended to launch an aggressive assault on the Union right flank, held by Porter's Five Corps. This attack aimed to divide the Union forces, pinning down and overwhelming Porter's men while preventing McClellan from sending reinforcements. It was a high-risk strategy, requiring precise timing and coordination, but Lee was a gambler at heart, willing to risk it all for the chance of a decisive victory the Confederate soldiers prepared for battle with a solemn determination. They cleaned their weapons, checked their supplies, and went over their plans. There were quiet moments of prayer, the soft murmur of men stealing themselves for the fight to come. Some wrote letters home, pouring out their hopes and fears onto paper, a poignant reminder of the personal stakes each soldier had in the battle to come. While the Confederates were outnumbered and outgunned, they held two significant advantages. First, they were fighting on familiar ground, which could help turn the tide of the battle. Second, they were under the leadership of Lee, a man who had proven his strategic genius time and again. As the Confederate forces prepared to move, the air was heavy with anticipation. The stage was set, the actors in place, and the curtain about to rise on the bloody drama at Gaines Mill. Chapter 3 Battle Unleashed June 27, 1862, dawned with an unusual quiet. As the early morning light washed over the Virginia countryside, the silence was as thick as the fog that clung to the Chickahominy River. The serenity, however, was merely the calm before the storm. By mid afternoon, the tranquility would shatter, replaced by the deafening roar of the opening salvos of the Battle of Gaines Mill. The Confederate forces, led by General Lee, had been busy. In the hours before dawn, they'd moved into position, using the cover of darkness and their knowledge of the land to approach the Union lines unnoticed. Then, as the afternoon heat was at its peak, they made their move. General Ambrose Powell Hill, leading one of the Confederate divisions, ordered his men forward. It was a calculated gamble meant to test the Union defenses and soften them for the main assault. Hill's men emerged from the cover of the trees, their gray uniforms blending with the smoke and dust. The Union pickets, caught off guard, scrambled to respond. Cannons roared, belching fire and smoke as they sent shells arcing over the battlefield. The relative silence of the morning gave way to the thunderous sound of gunfire, the sharp crack of rifles, and the booming echo of artillery the Union forces, led by the stoic Fitz John Porter, sprang into action. The troops rushed to their posts, their blue uniforms a stark contrast against the dusty landscape. The cannons, strategically placed to overlook the Confederate approach, fired in unison, their earth-shaking booms intermingling with the shrill whistle of incoming shells. In the chaos, Porter was a pillar of calm, his voice steady as he issued commands. Despite the surprise of the initial assault, he had prepared his men well. They held their ground, replying to the Confederate attack with a fierce barrage of their own. The landscape of Gaines Mill, once so serene, was transformed into a spectacle of smoke and fire, the air heavy with the smell of gunpowder and the sounds of battle. This was the opening salvo, a precursor to the fierce and bloody battle that would unfold in the coming hours. It was a harsh introduction to the reality of the Civil War, a reminder that beneath the tactics and strategies, the grand plans and lofty ideals, lay the brutal and uncompromising truth of war. As the first day of battle drew to a close, both sides braced themselves for the intense struggle that lay ahead, knowing that the real fight was just beginning. As the echoes of the opening salvo faded into the smoky air, the battle was just heating up. General Lee, watching the scene unfold from his command post, was ready to press the advantage. He ordered General Stonewall Jackson to launch an assault on the Union right flank. With a nod, the enigmatic general rallied his troops, setting in motion a sequence of events that would define the course of the day. On the other side, General Porter was dealing with a battlefield that was rapidly descending into chaos. Shouts and screams echoed in the air mixed with the continual roar of cannon and rifle fire. Yet, amidst the pandemonium, there was bravery and resilience. Porter's men were living up to their training and their general's expectations, holding their ground with fierce determination. There were notable moments of valor and courage that day. The Fifth New York, known as Dury's Zouaves after their commander, Colonel Abram Dury, stood firm against wave after wave of Confederate assault. They wore distinctive red and blue uniforms, inspired by North African tribal warriors, and fought with the same ferocity, repelling several Confederate charges with disciplined volleys of gunfire. Their stand at Gaines Mill became legendary, a testament to their gallantry and steadfastness under pressure. Meanwhile, Jackson's assault began. The Confederate troops, their gray uniforms now stained with sweat and dust, pushed forward. They moved through the swamp, shrugging off the difficult terrain as if it were nothing more than a minor inconvenience. They were relentless, their faces set in grim determination as they advanced under a hail of Union gunfire. The Union soldiers responded in kind, their rifles barking out deadly volleys that tore into the Confederate lines. The air was thick with smoke, the ground trembling under the impact of artillery shells. The lush Virginia landscape had been replaced by a hellish tableau of destruction and death. Yet, through it all, both sides stood their ground, neither willing to give an inch. As the sun began to set, casting long, dark shadows across the battlefield, the clashes at Gaines Mill raged on. The first day had been brutal, a grim reminder of the ferocity of war. As darkness fell, the battlefield was lit up by sporadic muzzle flashes, a stark reminder of the fierce struggle that was yet to come. This was a fight neither side could afford to lose, and both the Union and Confederate forces were prepared to fight until the bitter end. As the fighting intensified, a new wave of energy surged through the Confederate lines. General Ambrose Powell Hill, known simply as A.P. Hill, arrived on the battlefield with his division, the Light Division. Hill was an imposing figure, his crisp uniform contrasting sharply with the battle-worn attire of his men. His arrival brought a renewed vigor to the Confederate troops, a spark that ignited their determination to break the Union lines. Hill's reputation preceded him. Known for his fiery red beard and fearlessness in battle, he was a charismatic leader who had a knack for rallying his men when it mattered the most. He was what the Confederates needed at this crucial juncture. His division, made up of seasoned soldiers, was one of the best in the Confederate army, and their arrival signaled a significant shift in the momentum of the battle. As Hill surveyed the scene, the Union lines held firm in the face of relentless Confederate attacks. He knew it was time for a decisive action, He ordered his men forward in a flanking maneuver, aiming to exploit a weakness in the Union right flank. It was a risky move, but Hill was a gambler at heart, willing to stake everything on a single roll of the dice. The Light Division advanced, their lines undulating like a steel gray wave across the battlefield. Union soldiers watched their approach with a mix of apprehension and defiance. This was a critical moment, and they knew it. Their rifles were reloaded, their bayonets fixed, their eyes locked on the approaching enemy. The clash that followed was fierce and brutal. Hill's men threw themselves at the Union lines with a reckless abandon that was both terrifying and awe-inspiring. For a moment, time seemed to stand still, the world reduced to a swirling maelstrom of smoke, fire, and steel. And through it all, Hill stood tall. His voice cutting through the cacophony of battle as he urged his men forward. The arrival of AP. Hill had turned the tide of the battle. His audacious assault had breathed new life into the Confederate forces and sowed seeds of doubt among the Union ranks. As darkness fell, the Union soldiers braced themselves for what was to come. The Battle of Gaines Mill was far from over, and they knew the coming dawn would bring new challenges and dangers. But for now, They held the line, their determination unwavering in the face of an increasingly desperate battle. Chapter 4. Tide Turns for the Confederacy The dawn of June 28 revealed a battlefield transformed. The once verdant fields around Gaines Mill were now a scarred and desolate landscape, testament to the intensity of the previous day's conflict. Union General Fitz John Porter and his men stood at the ready anticipating the renewed assaults they knew would come with the rising sun. Throughout the night, the Union soldiers had worked tirelessly to strengthen their defensive lines. They dug trenches and set up barricades, preparing for the onslaught of A.P. Hill's Confederate forces. Despite their efforts, there was an unspoken understanding that the line could break under sustained pressure. They were tired, outnumbered, and facing a relentless enemy but they were resolute in their duty. As the Confederate forces surged forward in a fresh wave of assaults, the Union soldiers stood their ground. They fought valiantly, their muskets barking defiantly as they fired volley after volley into the advancing ranks of the enemy. For a while, it seemed they might hold that their grit and determination would be enough. But it was not to be. In the heat of the battle, a gap appeared in the Union lines. A unit on the right flank, overwhelmed by the sheer intensity of the Confederate assault, began to falter. It was the opportunity the Confederates had been waiting for, and they exploited it ruthlessly. The Confederate troops poured into the breach, threatening to cut the Union line in half. Despite Porter's best efforts to rally his men and shore up the broken line, the damage was done. The Confederate pressure was unrelenting, and the Union lines buckled under the strain. It was a devastating blow, a clear sign that the battle was not going their way. Yet even as their line broke, the Union soldiers remained resolute. They pulled back, regrouping under the cover of their artillery. They were battered and weary, but they were not defeated. As the day drew to a close, they braced themselves for another night on the battlefield. Determined to fight on in the face of adversity. The breaking of the Union line at Gaines Mill was a pivotal moment in the battle. It marked a turning point in the favor of the Confederates, but it also underscored the tenacity and courage of the Union soldiers. Despite the odds stacked against them, they refused to give up, their spirit undiminished in the face of a seemingly unstoppable enemy. With their lines broken, the Union forces faced a critical decision. General Porter, rallying his beleaguered men, knew their position was untenable. The Confederates had the momentum, and a counterattack seemed an unlikely prospect. As the weight of his command rested heavily on his shoulders, he made the choice to fall back, ordering a strategic retreat towards the Chickahominy River. The retreat was a harrowing affair. Under the cover of a failing twilight, Porter's men carefully navigated the chaotic battlefield. All around them, the grim reminders of the day's brutal conflict were etched into the landscape, scorched earth, shattered trees, and the two still forms of fallen comrades. Yet, they moved with determination, their survival hinging on reaching the relative safety of the river. The Chickahominy River, usually a serene waterway meandering through the Virginia countryside, was now their lifeline. Across it lay the main body of the Union Army under McClellan, offering the promise of reinforcements and a chance to regroup. As Porter's men crossed the river under the protective cover of darkness, their spirits, while battered, were not broken. The retreat was a significant setback, but it also highlighted the resilience of Porter's men. They had withstood a crushing assault, suffered heavy casualties, and seen their defenses crumble. But they refused to give in, holding on to their resolve to fight another day. Even in retreat, there were moments of heroic defiance. Rearguard actions by brave units like the Pennsylvania Reserves bought precious time, allowing their comrades to cross the river. Their actions, while costly, underscored the indomitable spirit of the Union soldiers. In the face of adversity, they chose to stand and fight, reaffirming their commitment to the cause they believed in. The retreat to the Chickahominy River was a testament to the determination of the Union army. They had lost the battle, but they were not yet defeated. As the dawn broke on the river's banks, General Porter and his men looked back on the battlefield of Gaines' Mill with a mix of sorrow and resolve. They had survived the fight another day, their spirit unbroken despite the challenges they had faced. And in the battles to come, they would carry the lessons of Gaines' Mill a stark reminder of the ferocity of war and the resilience of the human spirit. For General Robert E. Lee and the Confederate Army, the Battle of Gaines Mill was a resounding victory. They had successfully pushed back the Union Army, breaking their defenses and forcing them into a strategic retreat. The Union's ambitious Peninsula Campaign had been thwarted, Richmond had been saved, and Southern morale was high. Yet this victory came at a heavy price, a stark reminder that in war, even victories can carry a devastating cost. The battlefield was a testament to the fierce fighting that had taken place. The toll of the battle was evident in the weary faces of Lee's men. They had fought bravely, charging headlong into enemy fire and enduring intense combat. Many had fallen, their sacrifices etched into the hearts of their comrades. The jubilation of victory was tempered by the somber reality of the loss they had suffered. The casualty numbers were staggering. The Confederate forces had lost a significant portion of their men, with thousands killed, wounded, or missing. Among them were seasoned officers and brave soldiers whose absence would be keenly felt in the battles to come. Lee, stoic as ever, felt the weight of these losses. Each life lost was a grim reminder of the cost of the conflict he was leading. Yet, amidst the grim reality of their losses, there was also a sense of resolve. The victory at Gaines Mill had proven that the Confederate forces could stand against the Union Army, that they could defend their homeland against the invaders. This belief fortified their resolve, strengthening their commitment to the cause they were fighting for. Lee, always the pragmatic strategist, took stock of the situation. He knew that this victory was just one step in a long and grueling journey. The war was far from over, and the Union army, while pushed back, was not defeated. His eyes were already on the horizon, planning for the battles that lay ahead. The Battle of Gaines Mill, while a Confederate victory, carried with it a poignant reminder of the toll of war. The cost in human lives was high and the scars of battle ran deep. But the resilience and courage of the men who fought brought a glimmer of hope amidst the desolation. They had won the day, but they knew their trials were far from over. Their victory, while significant, was just one chapter in the larger narrative of the American Civil War. Chapter 5. Impacts on the Civil War In the aftermath of Gaines Mill, the reverberations of the conflict echoed far beyond the battlefield. The outcome of the battle had not only turned the tide in the Peninsula Campaign but also significantly impacted the broader course of the Civil War. The Union's defeat dealt a severe blow to their ambitious plans for a quick end to the rebellion. General George McClellan, the architect of the Peninsula Campaign, found himself under intense scrutiny. His strategy to capture Richmond and swiftly bring the South to its knees had failed, forcing the Union forces into a humiliating retreat. McClellan's grand design had faltered at the hands of a resurgent Confederate army led by the now formidable General Robert E. Lee. In the North, the news of the defeat was met with shock and dismay. The hope for a swift victory, which had initially fueled support for the war, was starting to wane. The mood was somber and questions began to arise about the Union's strategy and leadership. The calls for change grew louder, culminating in a shift in the Union's war policy. The war was no longer just about preserving the Union, it took on a more profound cause, the abolition of slavery. In contrast, the Confederate victory at Gaines Mill bolstered the South's morale. The victory underscored their resolve to resist the Union's attempts to subdue the rebellion. For the soldiers and civilians alike, the triumph reaffirmed their belief in their cause. And at the helm of this resurgent hope stood Robert E. Lee, who emerged from the battle as a national hero, his stature in the South elevated to near-mythic proportions. However, the Confederate victory did not erase the grim realities of war. The cost of the victory had been high, and the loss of life was a stark reminder of the price of their resistance. Despite the euphoria of victory, the war was far from over, and more battles loomed on the horizon. The Battle of Gaines Mill, though just one of the countless battles in the Civil War, left an indelible mark on the conflict. It reshaped strategies, shifted public opinion, and forever altered the lives of the men who fought on its battlefield. Its repercussions were felt across the nation, underscoring the complex and far reaching impacts of the Civil War. One of the key figures to emerge from the smoky aftermath of Gaines Mill was Thomas Jonathan Stonewall Jackson. While Lee commanded the overall Confederate forces, it was Jackson's corps that played a crucial role in the Confederate victory. A hard-fought battle had elevated this seemingly stern and austere man into a figure of near-legendary status. Jackson was an enigma to his men. He was a rigid disciplinarian, a man of few words with an unwavering faith in God. Yet, beneath this austere exterior lay a brilliant mind, honed for military tactics. At Gaines Mill, he demonstrated his tenacity and tactical acumen, leading his troops through the ferocious battle with resolute determination. The battle saw Jackson's corps withstand the Union's fierce assaults, and their resolute defense was a significant factor in the Confederates' ultimate victory. His men, inspired by their leader's unyielding resolve, fought valiantly. The sight of Jackson, unmoving amidst the chaos of battle, earned him the moniker Stonewall, a name that became synonymous with steadfast bravery. In the wake of Gaines Mill, Jackson's reputation soared. Stories of his firm resolve and staunch bravery filtered through the ranks of the Confederate Army and into the homes across the South. He quickly became a symbol of Southern resilience and a beacon of hope in the grim landscape of the war. Jackson's rise, however, was more than just about personal glory. His successful command at Gaines Mill helped underscore the effectiveness of Lee's aggressive strategy. The victory was a clear sign that the Confederates could not only hold their ground but also take the fight to the enemy. It paved the way for further Confederate victories bolstering their resolve in the challenging war years ahead. The Battle of Gaines Mill was a pivotal moment in the rise of Stonewall Jackson. From the conflict's fiery crucible, a legend was born, a man whose name would become etched into the annals of the American Civil War. His story was one of resilience and unyielding resolve, qualities that were emblematic of the South's dogged determination to resist. His legacy, just like the battle he fought, Would leave an indelible mark on the course of the war. The defeat at Gaines Mill shook the Union's strategic approach to its core. Up to this point, General George McClellan had focused on a grand strategy designed to decisively end the conflict through a quick and stunning victory. Yet, the harsh reality of the battlefield had shown that the South would not be so easily subdued. The resulting introspection would give birth to a profound shift in Union strategy. One of the first changes was in the Union's leadership. McClellan's star, which had once shone brightly, started to dim. His strategy had failed, and the loss at Gaines Mill had eroded faith in his abilities. Consequently, President Lincoln began seeking new military leaders who could adapt to the shifting realities of the war and carry the Union to victory. One such figure was General Ulysses S. Grant. Known for his relentless determination and willingness to fight, Grant would emerge as one of the war's most influential figures. His approach contrasted sharply with McClellan's. Instead of grand, sweeping campaigns, Grant would focus on grinding down the Confederate forces through sustained pressure and siege tactics. This new approach was a departure from the original Union strategy, but it was one born from the hard lessons of Gaines Mill, The shift wasn't just limited to leadership and tactics. The Union began to view the war as not just a struggle to preserve the nation, but also as a moral crusade against the institution of slavery. This new conviction would lead to the Emancipation Proclamation, a historic decree that transformed the purpose of the war and stirred the conscience of the nation. The strategic pivot would not result in immediate success. As the war would drag on for several more years with significant bloodshed. Yet, it marked a critical turning point in the Union's approach to the conflict, one that would eventually lead to the fall of the Confederacy. The Battle of Gaines Mill, in many ways, was a catalyst for this profound shift. It highlighted the stark realities of the war and forced the Union to reassess its approach. The resulting changes in strategy, leadership, And war goals would shape the course of the American Civil War and the nation's history in the years to come. Chapter 6 Legacy of the Battle In the long years following the end of the American Civil War, the nation sought to heal its wounds, rebuild its infrastructure, and reconcile its divided people. Among this tumultuous period of recovery, the memory of the Battle of Gaines Mill remained etched in the minds of many. As time wore on, the battlefield itself, once scarred by the fury of combat, gradually returned to nature. However, recognizing the historical significance of the site, some saw it as more than just a piece of land, it was a living testament to a pivotal moment in the nation's history. One such figure was William J. Barker, a Civil War veteran and native of Virginia. Barker had served as a young soldier under General Lee and had fought in the Battle of Gaines Mill. Following the war, Barker became a prominent advocate for battlefield preservation, driven by a desire to honor the memory of those who had fallen and to educate future generations about the war's profound impact. In the early 1900s, Barker led a campaign to preserve the Gaines Mill battlefield. He rallied the local community, wrote passionate letters to newspapers, and appealed to state and national leaders for support. Barker's tenacity paid off. His tireless efforts led to the creation of the Gaines Mill Battlefield Park, ensuring that the hallowed ground was protected from development and forever marked as a historical site. Today, the park serves as a poignant reminder of the fierce battle that raged more than a century ago. Visitors to the site can traverse the same ground where Union and Confederate soldiers clashed, stand where leaders like Lee and Jackson formulated their strategies. And reflect on the riverbanks where Union troops made their desperate retreat. The preservation of the Gaines Mill battlefield is a testament to the efforts of individuals like William J. Barker, who recognized the importance of safeguarding our historical sites. It serves as a physical link to our past, providing future generations with a tangible connection to the events that shaped the nation. And it stands as a monument to the men who fought and died there their stories forever woven into the tapestry of American history. While the battlefields of the Civil War fell silent in 1865, the echoes of conflicts like Gaines Mill could still be heard in the many wars that followed. In particular, lessons learned from this pivotal battle were carried forward, their influence seen in the tactics and strategies employed by military leaders in later conflicts. One example of this can be traced back to the First World War, a conflict renowned for its brutal trench warfare and grueling stalemates. One of the military figures who stood out in this era was John J. Pershing, commander of the American Expeditionary Force. A student of history, Pershing recognized the significance of the Battle of Gaines Mill, particularly how Lee's relentless assaults and the surprise element of A.P. Hill's late arrival were instrumental in the Confederate victory. In one of the major offensives of World War I, the Meuse-Argonne Offensive, Pershing echoed the spirit of Lee's tactics at Gaines Mill. He orchestrated a relentless assault against the German lines, utilizing fresh troops in waves to maintain momentum and pressure, a reflection of A.P. Hill's timely arrival on the Gaines Mill battlefield. Moreover, the lessons of Gaines Mill found their way into the military classrooms. At the United States Military Academy at West Point, the battle was often studied by cadets for its strategic implications and tactical execution. Notably, the future World War II general Dwight D. Eisenhower was among those who studied the Battle of Gaines Mill, incorporating its teachings into his own leadership style. Even today, military scholars and historians often refer back to the Battle of Gaines Mill as an example of the effective use of reinforcements, the importance of seizing the initiative, and the significance of terrain in shaping the outcome of a battle. Its echoes continue to reverberate, reminding us that even as technology and warfare evolve, the lessons of the past remain pertinent. The Battle of Gaines Mill, although a relatively early engagement in the Civil War, has endured in the collective memory of the American public, its impact remembered not only for its tactical implications but for the human narratives that it unfolded. In the heart of Virginia, local communities keep the memory of the battle alive through annual reenactments. Families, history enthusiasts, and Civil War scholars gather at the Gaines Mill Battlefield Park. Donning period uniforms and retelling the story of the battle. Amid the echoes of cannon fire and the clash of bayonets, they relive the drama and courage of those who fought on that fateful day. Beyond the battlefield, the memory of Gaines Mill has found its way into literature and film. Renowned Civil War author Shelby Foote dedicated several passages in his monumental work, The Civil War, a narrative to the battle, Capturing its ferocity and intensity with his powerful prose. A number of historical dramas have also portrayed the battle, including the critically acclaimed miniseries The Blue and the Gray, which brought the horrors and heroism of the battle into living rooms across the nation. Perhaps one of the most touching reminders of Gaines Mill lies in the personal accounts handed down through generations. Families across the country have kept alive the memories of their ancestors who fought in the battle. Letters written by soldiers from both sides, diaries kept by field nurses, and photographs from the era serve as poignant reminders of the human cost of the conflict. The memory of Gaines Mill, then, endures not just in history books and military academies, but also in the hearts and minds of the American people. It’s a testament to a time when the nation was at its most divided, yet ultimately found a path to reconciliation and unity. As such, The Battle of Gaines Mill continues to serve as a stark reminder of the sacrifices made in the pursuit of freedom and equality, echoing through the annals of American history.